Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chef's Meal, where we talk about whatever and never and everything else in between. Ready for some more content, some more videos, some photos, extra extravaganzas? You can now head on over to our Patreon account, Where the Goodies Lie. Patreon.com slash pork and wine will give you all the extra good bits that we don't even post anywhere else on social media except for Patreon.com. Head on over, subscribe. We would love to talk to you and just give you some extra feedback and extra, extra of everything. Just extra, extra of everything. <laughs> Again, patreon.com slash pork and wine. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we are actually, this is, so I was just talking to them. Um, this is the first time here in Chef's, uh, Chef's Meal that we are, let's say, let's just say we're going to party today, huh? What do you guys say? <laughs> Now we are uh, we are having a conversation with Wine Splaining DTSP. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Now, if you guys don't mind, really quickly, uh, where are you guys from? We're from uh, Saint Petersburg, Florida. Ah. So we are Eastern Time. So we're good. Yes. Yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, I thought you guys were like out west. I'm like, oh man, this oh, is gonna well. be. Okay, so we are good. Now, if you guys don't mind, why did you guys start the podcast and why wine-splaining? Now, I actually know why that that term wine-splaining, but I, I want to hear what you guys, uh, uh, you know, explain it as. So we actually started as a wine tasting and study group. We're all studying for some uh, different wine exam to qualify ourselves a little bit more. So we started that Ooh. way, and then we thought we wanted to help each other learn by recording ourselves. And we thought maybe there were other people out there who were going through the same thing that we were and we could help them too. So we started as a tasting group and then we started recording ourselves as a podcast. And just to piggyback on that, the name wine splaining came from mansplaining. I don't know if you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's where it came from. Oh, I know. And then DTSP is like downtown St. Pete. It's the little acronym for that. Um, and that's kind of like what we like to keep in our, in our group as well. It's, it's a, kind of a big part of our podcast. Like we're not, now you say, we're not overwhelming no, with the, uh, the feminism, but you know, we are aware that women in wine, especially uh, we're, we're still a, a smaller subset of the community. So the fact that we are three women together and learning as much as we can and really helping to elevate um, the knowledge of, of our community. You know, as, as we grow ourselves, we're bringing it out to our community as well. So that's kind of why wine splaining, I think, really kind of resonated with all of us. <laughs> <laughs> now, you guys are actually, are you guys consuming alcohol? Of course. Uh, yes. <laughs> wow. What a good day. It's all part of the job. Yes. I'm actually doing dry June right now, so I only get to drink with my ladies on Monday night. Aww. So I, uh, I'm, I'm not skipping. <laughs> wow! I wish I can join you guys, but you know, I, I don't have anything on me right now. We'll pour a glass for you, Casey. <laughs> ah, there you go. See, that's that's all I wanted to hear. <laughs> now you just you did say, um, like wine knowledge, or is someone going for a sommelier? We all are in some capacity. Mm -hmm. So um, the three of us have all passed our level one introductory course with the mm -hmm. master sommeliers. And two of us are going for a level two, which are, is our certified. And then mm -hmm. what are you, which exam are you studying for? So I was more gearing towards, um, because while I, I did um, perform a lot of SOM duties in the past, I find myself less uh, restaurant aligned right now. So mm -hmm. I was um, really interested in uh, the Society of Wine Educators, the SWE, and they have a certification called um, the CSW, the Certified Specialist of Wine. So that's what I was focusing on. Uh, but the original certification I did was, of course, the Court of Masters. It was kind of the first time I realized you could get some sort of certificate in wine <laughs> yeah. way back in the day. And um, a lot of the study we do... Um, we use Guildsom a lot. We use a lot of their charts a lot, um, a lot of their mm. study recommendations a lot. And the more I work with these two ladies, uh, the more I, I kind of want to take another stab at level two. <laughs> I originally tried it way back in the day, right after I got my level one. And that was, um, 
uh, ill-advised at that time. <laughs> There's a lot of information <laughs> that you have to know. It's I, I was <laughs> I was a little too arrogant about it, but it was also about eight years ago. So I, I like to think that I've uh, grown and learned and uh, uh, gotten a little wiser now that I'm 34. <laughs> mm, got it. Got it. Now, if you guys don't mind, because I'm pretty sure this is the first time uh, anyone in my channel, or rather in a podcast, um, talking about sommelier. Uh, can you guys briefly explain what that process is and what exactly that pertains to? Well, I mean, traditionally, sommelier was um, uh, essentially the, the wine director, um, especially of a higher-end restaurant. Um, the quartermasters, mm. to this day, still focuses on uh, points of service from a restaurant point of view. For the level mm-hmm. two, um, the service portion of the exam where you have to serve um, a mock table of guests, uh, uh, you have to present the wine correctly, open it correctly, pour the glasses correctly, you know, be able to consult with the diner to help them pick the right wine that they would not only enjoy, but would also hopefully then pair well with what they're eating um, to just generally elevate not only the food in the restaurant, but the overall experience for the guests. So that is the traditional and even still the core of what um, sommelier um, originally was, but you know, in this industry, um, there's only really a, a few major cities in the U.S. that employ sommeliers at a uh, at a majority level, like where there's a multitude of positions open. Right. Um, for those of us down here in St. Petersburg, there's not much. <laughs> but, mm. you know, I, I think as the restaurant industry changes, you know, not everything is white tablecloth fine dining. Um, mm-hmm. And the restaurant and the wine industry in and of itself is is so varied and faceted, and there's so many different ways you can engage with it. So, being a psalm, you know, if you're not serving on the floor, that doesn't mean you're any less a psalm. Right. And Absolutely. going through the certification still means that you committed uh, a serious part of your life in serious study. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not a hobby. Yeah, yeah. You gotta yeah. definitely commit to it, and. Um, I, I think all of us, I don't think any of us are aiming to serve on a floor in a restaurant anytime soon, mm. but it is a recognized certification. Like my mother couldn't pronounce the word sommelier for a really long time. A lot of people. <laughs> then, but then Psalm, the documentary came out and more of the general public is like, oh, I kind of know what that is now. I can at least say Psalm mm. like it's cool. <laughs> so. Got it. Now, because uh, I, I asked that because my restaurant, actually, we have a master of wine on our services nice. and he actually works uh, with it, uh, with the with the restaurants, and we have about fifty restaurants uh, strong, and he works with all the food and everything. So it's just nice to see that people are actually taking that up. And to kind of further your point, um, we have this uh, little thing that we say: once a chef, always a chef. Yes, mm-hmm. so, I'm yeah. always a chef. Absolutely. <laughs> Exactly. I I understand the amount of time and effort that takes into it. So for the three of you, I salute you all the way over here. That's that's a good feat altogether. Well, thanks. Thank we you. think this is such a great pairing of us talking to you too, because exactly. what is wine without food? So mm-hmm. after our own hearts as well. Now I want to stab you guys with a hard question, and this is gonna this is gonna hurt you guys, <laughs> but it's okay. All right. Favorite wine. Oh, I hate that question. I <laughs> know. I know. This week, maybe? Yeah. Like, like all right? time. All time. <laughs> all time favorite wine. All right. Do you want to go first? I, you know, I've been working. It's such a hard question. I've been working as part of the wine industry, you know, either behind the bar at a wine bar or, you know, doing tastings with the general public as a uh, sales rep for distributors. And every time someone asked me this question and every time I'm like, don't make me choose. I give a different answer every time I get asked. I mean, it depends the time of year. It depends on what I'm doing. It depends on, am am I eating food? Am I not eating? Is this my first glass? Is this my last glass? Uh, There's so many things that go into it. But if you're asking like what's in my personal wine fridge at home that I'm kind of saving for, Mm -hmm. you know, the right people or a special occasion, it definitely skews towards, um, Northern Italians, uh, a lot of Barolo, a lot of Barbaresco. Um, love okay. my Brunello de Montalcinos, and then you know an Those assortment of uh, California calves and other weird uh, grapes. I, I have a thing for Cabernet Franc. We actually have one here today that I brought, and I haven't tried it yet. So it's from the Santa Inez Valley, and it's called Habit, and it was recommended to me by a shop owner friend of mine. 
and I was waiting to open it with you guys. So <laughs> can't wait to try it. Ooh. Okay. While you guys kind of think of what you, let's say, uh, favorite is, let me, let me kind of stab at it. That way you guys kind of have a thing. If I just open this one bottle and I can do it, uh, I can have it just sitting down or with a meal or with a light meal. It doesn't really matter what it is. It's my favorite wine of all time. Uh, a bottle of Jordan. Mm-hmm. Excellent choice. Yep. For me, it's uh, nice and smooth. It's bodied. I can drink it. I can eat with it. I can cook with it. Uh, it's my absolute favorite wine of all time. So for me, that ticks a box and it makes me happy. And we actually have one here uh, at the house, just kind of chilling there, doing its thing. <laughs> and the, the most important thing about wine, because it's so subjective, is that it makes you happy. It doesn't, mm. I mean, there. yes, there are rules, but they're meant to be broken. I mean, you should drink what you like at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. We always, uh, we have this term in the kitchen, you shouldn't drink wine that you wouldn't cook with. No. And that is a, that is a true occurrence to everything that we do, uh, even to the, the box wine that we use to cook our mussels with or our, our steamers with. It has to be something palatable enough that you can just sit there and drink that wine. And it needs to be that good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we can go ahead and proceed to cook with it. I love that. So too. for me, a bottle of Jordan. I love to cook with wine. Yeah, but- Sometimes I even put it in my food. <laughs> yeah. Are we talking like sprinkling it on the food, <laughs> just a dash of the wine? You know, you're in the kitchen, you have a glass of wine. I always maybe drink you'll while tip I cook. It. Maybe you'll tip a little bit over the pot. <laughs> it's never hurt anything, that's for sure. No. <laughs> Now, absolute um, absolute foods that you'd pair with said red. So I'll, I'll give you guys specific. It's, it's too broad of a, a subject. So if you're if we're talking, let's give you um, let's go with a good old spaghetti and meatballs, right? What is your absolute wine that you would like to have with it? With spaghetti and meatballs, Chianti Classico. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go Montepulciano d'Abruzzo. I'm gonna agree with you okay. on that. Yeah, I love. Multiple and you know it's 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 gaining popularity like I, I bet if someone goes out right now to like their little local mom and pop italian like casual restaurant or even like a, a nice mom and pop pizza place and they look on the menu they will find a multiple chiano d'abruzzo mm-hmm. by the glass mm-hmm. so good <laughs> No, it is good. We actually sell it by the glass and by the bottle at the restaurant also and I'm well versed on that wine. It is it's a, it's a good drink. Like it, it, it drinks easy and it's it's good no matter what it is. Um, does anyone in the party know how to cook? Oh yeah. We're, Are we talking? We all can. I'll be honest. Do something in the kitchen. I, I do not cook. I do, <laughs> this is Heidi. I do not cook. <laughs> but we have a I don't know what a foodie a. Yeah, I'm a I'm a foodie. I'm yeah. a foodie. Okay. For sure. Okay. I'm, I'm a decent cook. I'm a, I would even say I'm a pretty good cook. Um, but I am lucky enough to have a partner who his background is, is science and kind of approaches mm. cooking in that way, but it, it's not as like passionless as it sounds like he's, he's so into the, the nitty gritty of cooking and trying out new techniques and trying out new stuff. Like he was the one that's like, we have to have a sous vide. And I was like, I, we don't need a gadget. <laughs> I was taught early in my career that gadgets are bad. Like if you can't just make it without a gadget, you're not good. But then I got him a sous vide, and that was the best decision I ever made because I get to eat mm. all the benefits. <laughs> I heard everything that comes out of that comes out good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys actually know the process of sous vide and why we it was um, why it was kind of installed in the restaurant? I do, um, probably because of my restaurant background, um, uh, and I know that that was one of the few gadgets that was actually developed first in commercial commercial kitchens, and then created mm-hmm. to be an at-home product as well yeah, definitely yeah. helps with speed and with accuracy and with consistency and those are the three main components exactly what i just talking about it's so easy all you have to do is set it and kind of forget it and you just wait for the timer well and you can get slow cooked flavors uh without having to dedicate um a lot of burners to slow cooking which is a, a mm-hmm. great thing too absolutely we have a couple, well, not really a couple. The other one broke. So we only have one CV machine. 
but it, it seldomly get used because uh, I am a fish restaurant, the restaurant I work for, and we don't technically need to be braising or anything in a prolonged mm-hmm. manner. So I don't necessarily need to use the sous vide machine, but it is there. I can use it if I want to, <laughs> but not enough for me to warrant to put it into a special and we're sous vide like 30 pieces of swordfish or something. The cool thing about the sous vide, not to go on a full on tangent, but um, it, it it forced us to explore a little bit more. You know, I think most people get mm-hmm. really comfortable with their set of dishes that they do. And with the sous vide, we realized we had the ability to like try cuts of meat and try different types of protein that we had never worked with before. And we were pretty confident we couldn't screw it up. <laughs> and and especially for those of us that are on a budget, because I would prefer to spend my money online. Um, mm. it, it helped because I could, I'm committed now when I go to the butcher section of our local grocery store, which is fantastic. Like we have a butcher in house. I get what's on sale and I can because of the mm-hmm. seed. And then I get to pick something mm-hmm. fun off my wine rack and try different flavors and different textures. And it's really great. <laughs> I'm with you. Now, just not really off a tangent, but can, can one of you guys explain to me what the initial um, study or quiz or anything that pertains to the level one psalm. Okay. Um, so I am the greenest of the group. And I decided okay. in January that I was going to go for uh, my level one. And I've drinking mm-hmm. wine my whole life, but I never really tasted it. And I never really studied it. So I mm-hmm. looked into, through a Google search, how do you become a sommelier? And I went, I found the court of masters. And so I registered for the class and to pass your level one, I think for me, and it's probably the average, it's about a three month study period. And that's probably studying at least three hours a day, five days a week, at least. Mm -hmm. And the good thing about level one is you do get a workbook and you get a two day class. But if you don't open that workbook before the class, you won't pass it at all. So it's a very quick review for two days. And at the end of the second day, you take the exam. Um, Got it. And then from there on, it gets much more difficult because there are no guidelines. They just want you to know everything for level two, three, and four. So level one and two is considered the lower levels. And then the advanced levels are three and four. And I will tell you that now, as far as being a master sommelier, there's probably only about 260, 265 in the mm-hmm. world right now since 1970. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that tells you something. It's, it's, it's a masochistic thing to do. <laughs> and only 30 or so of those are women. Exactly. So back to the very beginning, yeah. that's why we think that this is so special is because we want to get there someday and we want to join those ranks and help um, other women think that they can do it too. When you say studying, are we partaking in wine or are we just studying specifics? So we, we do everything. What we've been doing, we started a couple of months ago and we meet once a week and we study outside of that as well. So we will pick a region. This is how we traditionally done it. We pick a region, we go all out, we study everything we can, we look at maps, we read the books, we get on Guildsom and read all of their resources. Um, We do as much as we can of studying. And then we have been bringing wines that are on the tasting list of wines that might be blinded to you in the exam. And then we taste those together and we do a blind tasting. So that then we you know really go off on the tangents we really get into the nitty-gritty and discuss why does it taste like this how do we know it's this wine and not something else and so our study mm-hmm. sessions when we're together definitely we're we're drinking during it but it's very focused drinking like Heidi just said we're tasting we're not just consuming so it's it's a really good way to get familiar with the wines in depth and then every couple of weeks we go back and we'll review what we what we studied so that we make sure that we're retaining that information that's not just rote memorization. Got it. And it's is it focused uh region specific that one particular wine specific or are we talking like a broad spectrum kind we're of We're working thing? our way all around the world. So we started 
Um, we've done Spain. Spain. We've done the Loire Valley in France. Ooh. We've done Australia and New Zealand. And I think next week we're moving into the, the crazy world of Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Italy's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of information there. Yes. Now, in terms of so we we've we've kind of gone into this spaghetti, right? Because I'm I'm trying to give the guests kind of um, little bits and pieces in what you guys do and actual meals that they can actually pair with it. So how about we go with a simple one? But I would like to you guys for to pair maybe a wine to it or maybe not. Um, how about a good old sandwich? Let's let's do a chicken sandwich or a burger. What kind of wine would go great with those items? And you guys pretty much know how those tastes. So this is more of a test on how you guys would pair it. Well, as far as a burger, that would not be as difficult as a chicken sandwich because it would all depend on how is the chicken prepared? What kind of sauce is on the sandwich? Um, you know, what kind of toppings are on the sandwich? Those kind of things are all part of what you're going to pair it with. Um, Got it. There's a wine that we had recently, at least Tara and I had. Um, it's called Predator, and it's old vine Zinfandel from Lodi, California. And it really has mm. a lot of smoky character, like bacon and smoked meat. And it is a perfect pairing for a burger or if you're grilling with like barbecue uh, ribs or even steak. A chicken sandwich, you could have fun with that. <laughs> It does depend, like, mm. are we talking a spicy chicken sandwich? Right. Are we talking something more savory? I mean, even the burgers, if okay, you want so to get really nerdy about it, because we have some amazing burger places in St. Pete, and they just create <laughs> absolute masterpieces yeah. of hamburgers. And it, it would depend on the topping. Like, mm -hmm. what kind of cheese are we talking about? Are we talking blue cheese? Are we talking... Something, um, you know. Okay, so let's give you um, let's give you more specific. Lettuce, tomato, grilled chicken, salt, pepper, jack cheese, a little old chipotle mayo. Okay, I think I would want to go with a zesty flavor because there's a lot of things there that um, are going to slide towards the umami, the savory. So I want something with like a, a counterpoint, a little bit of a zing to it. So I'd probably, even though Chardonnay, I think most people would be like, well, Chardonnay goes with chicken. I would mm -hmm. not do a Chardonnay. I would no. stay away from it. Um, mm. I think an interesting Sauvignon Blanc would Absolutely. be really cool. We just did the Loire, so maybe it's on our, our brain. But I've now decided that Chenin Blanc goes with everything. Chenin Blanc <laughs> does go with everything. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think a Chenin Blanc, you know what, everything. especially because that little touch of sweet, if the Chipotle and the mayo is especially strong, mm -hmm. And it's a pepper jack cheese with a little heat to it. A vouvray. A vouvray, honestly, with that little touch of sweetness. And Shannon's got such great acidity to it. Mm -hmm. I I think that would be pretty phenomenal, actually. So I'm going to go a little bougie um, and say I'll have my chicken sandwich fried. Fried chicken sandwich. And I'd like this that. This is the south. Let's, yeah. let's not forget. <laughs> yeah. And I, I want that with champagne. Yeah. Oh, that is true. That. Fried bubbles and fried chicken is like... It is the best thing. Anything the fried and champagne go so good together. Chicken and waffles is a deity down here. Popcorn and champagne. Oh, so favorite. good. I make yes. my own popcorn and it's fabulous. <laughs> You're getting us hungry, Casey. Popcorn. <laughs> Hey, you know, this is uh, this is the whole purpose of it, because we want to be able to tell our guests how to eat properly. Right. And you guys pre predominantly work with wines. And just to kind of pinpoint it out, there's a lot that goes into it. And you you guys actually have to know the flavors uh, to be able to pair with said wine. So go on with that. Let me let me throw one more light dish with you. Um, how would you guys feel about a classic mussels, mussels and garlic. Now, we typically at the restaurant cook it with shallots, garlic, a little red uh, pepper flakes, salt, pepper. Uh, it gets a little box wine, but that one is just just a light, dry wine. And then it gets sautéed uh, a pound and a half of mussels until it gets cooked, until it's slightly open. And then you uh, top it off with two nabs of butter and just let it congeal ever so slightly. You put it onto a plate, a little parsley goes on top, and a well-burnt crostini. And I, I'm not talking about burnt, but more of a grilled uh, crostini that goes onto uh, the top delicious. of it. What kind of wine? Yeah, what kind of wine would you guys I just had it? that exact thing a couple of nights ago, and I had it with an albarino. That's what I was going to call. Ooh. I think albarino would be 
the really fun choice, mm-hmm. especially, you know, summer, it's such a perfect summer wine and it was something like that. A more classic choice, if we we're going to refer to our books a little bit, would again, probably be something from the Loire Valley. A Muscadet. Muscadet. A Muscadet, a, uh, a Sancerre or a Puy Fome, probably Puy Fome with the garlic because I feel like that has more structure mm-hmm. to stand up to, to the garlic. Um, or, you know, again, possibly even a, a, a Vouvray, a Chenin, but, uh, classically it would probably would have been like a French Sauvignon Blanc, but I think Albarino is the more fun and interesting pairing. Yes. It was very good. <laughs> <laughs> I would just want to say, Casey, that with throwing... food pairing, I think this is, this is one of my favorite things actually. I got into wine because of food, not the other way around, because mm-hmm. I love to eat. Mm-hmm. And then when I discovered that you could now add a, an additional component and put wine on top of that and make pairings and match things together, man, that just opened up a whole new world for me. So I think mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed trying the unusual and, and pushing the limits of what is acceptable for tasting. So um, actually last night for dinner, my mom for Father's Day made grilled steaks. So they had this really nice char. We had baked potatoes and we had asparagus. Mm-hmm. So, you know, traditionally you think red wine, my mom got a really nice Rioja Reserva. Um, that's what she was planning to serve it with. Well, I had a bottle of mm. Clare Valley Riesling from Australia open from okay. one of our tastings. And I wanted my mom to try it. So I brought it over. And then my mom, as she throws in a twist, she says, we're going to make homemade Bernays sauce with cherry vinegar. Um, because I don't have any white wine vinegar. I was like, well, all right, let's try it out. Mm. <laughs> one taste of that Bernays sauce. And I was like, Rioja, mind you, is one of my favorite wines. I was like, I don't want Rioja with this dinner. I want mm. that Claire Valley Riesling. And this one was aged on its leaves. Yeah. So it gave it more body, that creaminess and the and acidity. It was dry. It was so dry. dry. Mm-hmm. And it just like that, um, the fruitiness, but the, 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 dryness and the acidity like really mellowed out the sulfur and the asparagus and picked up that tang of the Bernays sauce. And I don't, I don't think that anyone would recommend, Hey, you're ordering a steak. You should get a Riesling, (laughs) but it turned out that that was just such Mm. a good pairing and everybody at dinner agreed that it was delicious. So I think it's just like, what are you enjoying and what can you pull out of what you're eating that might be interesting in the wine that you're drinking? Absolutely. I think I think traditionally, when it came to wine pairings with um, wine and food, you paired the wine to the protein. But there's so many mm. interesting interpretations going on with food these days and so much fusion and so much, um, just so many flavors of, of sauce and topping and mm-hmm. spicing that just pairing to the protein is boring. Yeah. <laughs> like, you really, like, don't think about it the protein. Boring. Break those rules. You know, think about other things like, the Riesling leaned into the asparagus and the Bernay and it was more exciting. And I think thinking less about the main protein and more about the sides and the sauces and the spices will Mm -hmm. certainly make a more fun experience for your listeners. That's that's how I've been drinking wine for a long time. And I do feel that everyone should drink wine (laughs) that way. (laughs) Most people don't really understand though, you know, so for, for you guys to kind of enlighten them, um, on the consumption and the pairing uh, based on flavor, not just on the protein that's being uh, served to you on the plate, gives a whole different perspective. Because most people will be like, oh, it's a steak, I need a red, you know, or oh, it's a white fish, I need a white. Kind of like a nonchalant way of uh, consuming wine, but it, there's more to it than that. And also, uh, if, if, you, if you like reds, a red that will usually go with most things is a Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. That can go with fish, mm. salmon, it can go with, you know, red meat, it can go with chicken. You know, it's just a very versatile grape and wine to drink with almost everything. <clears throat> but mm. my personal pro tip there is spend a little bit more than you usually would. Yes. Pinot Noir, man, that extra five, oh, yeah. ten, mo- 10 bucks makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And just going up like one really slightly does. higher price bracket than you would have. You won't regret it when it comes to Pinot. Mm, I I absolutely agree. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I mean, my favorite wine is a, a Jordan. So, <laughs> yeah, it just goes down smooth. I think that's the danger of it. It just it's so nice, and you can kind of get away from drinking a whole bottle in about I don't know 
10 seconds. Yeah, it can be too easy. <laughs> yeah, it's too easy. Uh, porch pounder. Porch pounder. <laughs> <laughs> now, just a little bit of a personal question to, to all three of you. Any of you have any allergies? Not that I'm no. going to acknowledge. Yeah. Nope, not really. Wow. Not that I'm aware of. Welcome to the few and the proud. <laughs> it's certainly easier yeah. to, to, to get involved with the full world of wine and food when you don't have any restrictions. But I, I, I feel for it, you know. Yeah. Um, I have a mm-hmm. partner who loves dairy even more than I do, but is slightly lactose intolerant. So even though he would rather ignore it, you know, realities of life are realities of life. And then, you know, we have some <laughs> friends, like we're, we're hosting people at our house and in St. Pete constantly. St. Pete has really just blossomed in terms of a really amazing food scene Mm -hmm. with so much local talent and local ideas going on. Like we do not have any chain restaurants in downtown St. Pete. It's all local chef-owned, local food-driven scene and just such a diversity of talents so I always want to show it off to my guests when they come into town, but I do have a few guests who come into town who, you know, it's like, let's they, eat some cheese. Well, eaters <laughs> or just can't, you know, just have that interesting allergy. But to that point, a friend of mine who not only, um, he's not just lactose intolerant, he's actually um, allergic to milk. He's allergic to the case in mm-hmm. way. And he's also mm-hmm. allergic to soy. So a lot of the mm-hmm. quote-unquote dairy-free products have soy in them, and he can't have those either. So there's a local ice cream yeah. place that just opened up on my block called Plant Love, mm-hmm. and they're coconut milk-based. I probably never would have tried them because we have three ice cream places on my home block. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we went there because we knew that's where our friend could go, and it's actually now my favorite shop. It's so good. It's incredible what they managed to do. Love coconut ice cream, and only because uh, when I say more coconut ice cream, we try not to consume dairy. Um, did you guys know that ninety percent of humans humans are allergic to to dairy? I did. Yeah, <laughs> it's not meant for consumption it's on not. the human side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of adverse effects that happens when you're consuming a for the milk for a calf essentially and um but you know who can say no to cheese cheese is so good don't you can pry the cheese out of my cold dead hands yeah (laughs) i'm up courtney on that one (laughs) turns out my body is just fine with it well you know what we've evolved tara (laughs) we've evolved Yeah, cheese, uh, cheese and wine just can't go uh, amiss with it. Now, um, has any one of you uh, have done any kind of fast, or have done in like intermittent fasting, or have you ever guys tried it? I did a twenty four hour fast once, and it was the worst decision I ever made. <laughs> <laughs> I've done some, um, of course, uh, religious fasting. I was really mm. Catholic, so uh, of course Same. during during Lent. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there, there's some abstaining, mm-hmm. although it's not a, a true, true fast. And then, um, a few years ago, um, my boss at the time started juicing and doing juice mm-hmm. fast and out of solidarity, I did it with him for a month. I actually, I didn't mind a it month? a month. Yeah, I did it. Wow. Month. It was actually, Serious. it was pretty cool. I didn't mind it. Um, I, I feel like I gained a lot of health benefits from it. And one of the things I did also abstain from at the time was, drinking and mm. uh, but I also wasn't studying at the time <laughs> um, uh, okay I, I I like I said I, I I think I had a pretty positive experience but at the same time that was six years ago and I haven't done anything like that since so. mm. okay well so we've taken the whole appetite so I, I don't know if you guys knew already um I gave you guys an app I gave you guys a lunch and I give you another bonus one. So now we've, if, if I'm coursing out the meal per se, now it's time for dinner, right? And we can go many ways about it. We can either go tuna or we can just go with lobster. So I'm going to give you guys two preparations. And I would like to, um, if you guys can pair a couple of things with it. Now, at my restaurant, uh, one is one of my all-time favorite dishes, braised crab legs. And it's simply prepared. Uh, you take the crab legs, one and a half pounds of it. You crack it, spliced open in the middle. We then shove it, and I mean shove it, 
Mm. With garlic butter, mm. parsley, uh, salt, pepper, and it gets a little sherry wine on it. Goes into the oven for 14 minutes, and it has to be 14 minutes. You can't go over because the wine uh, will dissipate too much and it will give you a burnt flavor. Uh, and then it gets served with what we call wholesome smashed potatoes. Uh, it gets a little creme underneath it and some broccoli. That's course number one. Course number two, I'm going to give you more of an Asian flair. Uh, so sashimi styled tuna, nice and rare, just cut on a bias. So it, it will, it should melt in your mouth when you're consuming. It gets a little sesame vinaigrette right on top of it. Um, and jasmine rice that's been flavored with a little bit of um, cooking wine and then um, some seaweed salad. And when I say salad, um, it's more pertaining to Japanese seaweed. I don't know if you guys ever been to like a, a sushi restaurant and you see that oh, yeah. extremely green seaweed thing. It's so good. So good. So that's our tuna dish. Uh, what would you pair with the Asian style tuna? And what would you pair with the braised crab legs? Can I take the braised crab legs? Mm -hmm. I think two, two different wines would go with this. Number one, a good old oaky buttery Chardonnay from California or a sparkling wine or champagne. I like those. You know, it was, you mentioned the, the, the sherry vinegar and uh, like any self-respecting wine nerd, uh, I, I adore sherry and I'm mm -hmm. on a mission to make America drink sherry again. And <laughs> uh, I think something really surprising would be, you know, just lean in, you know, do the sherry, do, um, you know, you could go a manthanilla with the fino, or if you want something a little nutty, which is the notes you would get from an oaky buttery Chardonnay, do the Amontillado, mm. which is my personal favorite yes. category of sherry. And I think is so versatile. Um, many years ago, when I was lucky enough to, you know, first be studying, I got invited to this sherry luncheon uh, by that was being uh, uh, hosted by a, a sherry producer. And it was a five course tasting menu and paired Ooh. with each five different styles of sherry. And to this day, it remains one of the best pairings of food and wine I've ever experienced in my life. So I feel like it could be an interesting opportunity that like, cause you have to judge where your uh, consumer is at, where your, where your customer is at. If we're really approaching this from a psalm angle, you know, mm -hmm. don't try to convince everyone to drink True. just the weird nerdy wine that you want to drink. Yes. And oh, for a yeah. lot of people that OP buttery shard is just what they want. And you know what? Mm -hmm. a fantastic pairing. It really is. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with all of those. I would eat any of those combinations and then not to be harping on the Riesling thing, but I, it's I, delicious. Yeah. <laughs> what was the Riesling we had last week when we were, when we were studying Australia and we said, we sushi. just want this with sushi. It sushi. was that Jim Berry, mm -hmm. Clear Valley Riesling. Mm -hmm. and it was incredible. Yeah. So the same thing yeah. that I said to pair with the steak also yes. would go with sushi. And that's what's so fun about this is that, you know, trying that same wine with two different types of food makes the wine taste different and give, gives you an entirely mm -hmm. different sense of, of that wine and of that place. So, um, and I'm the kind of song, um, or would be if I truly worked a floor where I really do want to make it a collaboration between me and the guests, not just me being kind of like a living, you know, Wikipedia girl, like, like you know, <laughs> menu, export, you know, output, wine pairing, you know. So normally when someone asks me, well, what would pair well with this? The very first question I ask them, and I'm like, would you prefer a white or a red? Mm -hmm. And I really try mm -hmm. and make a recommendation based on what they feel like drinking, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe mm -hmm. if they're a cat person, steer them towards a Pinot. Um, for a person who's a Pinot but wants to be a little adventurous, you know what, with that tuna thing, a Cru Beaujolais would be mm -hmm. killer. It would be yeah. close, Ooh. but just different enough to, I think, give a little bit of surprise. Mm -hmm. And that candy note um, from the carbonic maceration mm -hmm. you get from Beaujolais, I think would pair really well with the sesame seed and um, give a brightness to the seaweed too. Yeah, great. Mm -hmm. Oh, look at you guys dropping some knowledge. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> My word. Now, 
as I said, we're, I'm coursing out the meal per se, right? We've gone the app, the, the two bonus things, the lunch, when we went for dinner. Now is the glory of all meals, right? If, if I could just, if I could just eat dessert for my, my first course, I'd be happy, but you usually want to leave it for the last because it's what gives the night its night. So I just have one dessert and I would like for you guys to pair it with at least two wines, if you guys don't mind. Now, you guys pretty, uh, I'm pretty sure you've tasted it already, but a good all key lime pie. We're going to go with a classic. Give me two wines that can pair good with it. Boy, that's tough. That is a tougher one. That is a toughy one, but it's a classic. I mean, I guess, so when you're pairing food and wine, especially when it comes to dessert, your wine should be sweeter than your dessert because otherwise it's going to make both of them taste kind of meh. So I think Mm -hmm. with key lime pie, that's an interesting one because you, because it's, it's less sweet, more tart. So again, with that, Mm -hmm. you have to pick something that has a lot of acidity. Um, You know what I'd pick? I'd pick um, a carnichon. I think Courtney is on a vouvray kick right yes. now. I don't, I'm not going to, to educate the world about Chenin Blanc dessert wine. So I had the fortune. Um, I worked for two years as the assistant manager in the dessert room at Burns Steakhouse, um, mm. which is an unmatched collection uh, in the entire U.S. of not only uh, the table wine that would pair downstairs at the main steakhouse, but in the dessert room, just a, a, a truly unmatched collection of dessert wines, ports, mm-hmm. sherries, Madeiras, um, after dinner liqueurs, um, truly rare scotches. Um, that's actually where I learned most of my liquor knowledge. I, I focused those years. I, I was this close to, to becoming a, a CSS, which <laughs> is a certified uh, specialist of spirits. Um, mm-hmm. And their uh, Cardachon is from the Loire Valley. It is uh, a Botrytis-affected Chenin Blanc dessert wine. And Chenin Mm -hmm. um, has a great amount of acidity. So even though it's one of the highest levels of residual sugar in any dessert wine ever produced in the world, especially France, there's such great acidity Mm -hmm. to it that it feels balanced. And I had Mm. one from the from like the eighties a few years ago. And it remains in my mind, one of the best wines I've ever had period, like across any category. So if we're really, you know, going for the moonshot here, I would really like that night, the 1980s something <laughs> car to show. That would, that would be perfect. You're fancy, girl. Uh, fancy. Wow. You can go to Burns uh, You can get the bottle. It's really not that expensive. It's less than a hundred dollars. <laughs> I think a more um, more standard wine that might be easier to find at a lot of restaurants would be a Sauterne. Mm-hmm. Same same descriptors mm-hmm. of what Courtney exactly. just said. You get that it's it's definitely sweet, but it's very well balanced for people who say, "Oh, I don't like sweet wine." You'll probably like this um, because it has super high acidity. It really balances it out and. Um, that, I think that would be a classic pairing with a key lime. Pie. Just a couple months ago, I participated um, just as a guest this time in a, in a Bordeaux tasting with some friends and my friend's husband had never had a sweet wine. Doesn't like them. Had this to turn that night. And that was one of the wines he bought and they didn't buy any of the others. It's, it was a first hey. for him. And he's like, <laughs> who knew I liked sweet wine, but it's one all about context. Things <laughs> of introducing people to sweet dessert wines yeah. because I think they've got such a bad rap in the States right now. And um, mm-hmm. we've, we've got to get back to that. There's just so much out there that's delicious. Well, those are the ultimate pairing wines. Like they really are meant for the dessert course. And it's a shame that we yeah. don't use them more. And one that I just recently tried for the first time and I love it so much. And I can just see it with a slice of key lime pie is uh, Tokoy from Hungary. It is, it's aromatic. Mm-hmm. It's doesn't really have a whole lot of acidity, but it's just a beautiful kind of floral wine that's just delicious. I could just drink that by itself, but I would totally pair it with almost anything. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely one of my like, favorite wines <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. There you go. Now that that is the full course the meal, guys. Now I don't I don't have that many more questions, but 
I do have one final one. This is kind of a, a kicker, per se, and not really pertaining too much into food. But have any of you guys ever had spam? <laughs> had what? Spam? Oh, of course. I spam. have not. I never have. You haven't? I haven't. I don't think I've been brave enough to try it either. You know, I even, I even went to um, uh, Hawaii uh, like nine years ago. And I kind of meant to because there's like this breakfast – this very specific Hawaiian breakfast that usually includes spam. I meant to go have some and I, I don't know. I just missed it. I, I just, so no, I've never had it. <laughs> so I'm the oldest of the group and I grew <laughs> up eating spam in the late yeah. 70s. <laughs> we would grill it in the pan. We would, oh my God. Uh, yeah. It's... And what would you pair that with? <laughs> I'd pair it with a garbage <laughs> can, to be honest. There you go. There you go. Sorry, spam. Um, uh, right? For everyone that gets a little hurt on spam. I asked that, that because I'm Filipino. And um, spam uh, became one of our tried and true mm-hmm. kind of cuisines or slash meat. Because, of the, you know, the World War, mm-hmm. that's what yeah. happened. Um, but... Being also Filipino, we are a nut about pork. <laughs> I love pork. Even my my podcast name is Chef Salty Pork. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, spam uh, leaves a um, a special place in my heart per se. What kind of wine pairings have you tried with it, Casey? Uh, a seltzer. It usually goes down pretty good with it. Um, okay. I think beer with pork. actually. Uh, I think beer Yeah, we have. Um, I'm gonna- you guys should try this out. It's not really beer or anything. Have you guys ever uh, drink any cider? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So there is a winery up here in New York, uh, Warwick Winery, Doc's Draft mm-hmm. Beer. Now I'll, I'll type it in that way you can uh, you guys can find it. Their blueberry slash cherry cider is freaking to die for. It is amazing. I've heard of it. Part of it. Have you? Yes, that's so cool. It is so good. I, I, we, we are a cider family. My wife and I, we keep a lot of ciders in the in the fridge, um, mm-hmm. and that's one of our go to. It's just, it's. I can't, I can't even explain it. Like, it, it feels like a cola. Like, is you can just sit down, have it, good day, or you can have it with your meal, good day, or you can have it with anything. I, I've even cooked with it. It's delicious. I feel that Casey, and I'm I'm gonna put in a shameless plug right now for the city of St. Pete. Uh, we are fortunate in that we have an amazing beer culture mm. in St. Pete. Like we might be wine nerds, but I drink as much beer as I drink mm. wine. And it's hard not to when literally walking distance from my house, there are six breweries, oh, wow. six. And one of them, Green Bench Brewery, which was actually the first one to open up in downtown St. Pete uh, almost six years ago. Uh, they just opened a second tasting room that is completely dedicated to ciders and meads and other fooder age uh, uh, beers, beers and mm-hmm. sours. And their cider program is just incredible. And that's just over here in mm-hmm. St. Pete, like in the wider Tampa Bay region, there's the Garage East Meadery. Um, I know Cigar City has started doing ciders. There's, it's too hot down here to just have, <laughs> I do all day. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there's a there's a fair cider culture down here too. I'm all about cider. I'm all about it. I, I recently got into it maybe about uh, five, six years ago, only because I'm tired of the beers and I'm tired of not really the wines, but I wanted my palate to experience something different. And so cider became uh, a new kind of tangent for me, uh, even in my cooking too. And I'm like, you know what? This cider would go pretty good with that. Or my, my pork loin that I prepare. But again, guys, that's that's all the time that we have. I know we can keep on going around with food, but there should definitely be a part two because I will give you guys a new course uh, the next time. We talk about. Okay. Um, but if you guys don't mind, can you guys uh, just share where they can find you, uh, your podcast and any other information? So you can find us, obviously we're on Anchor, uh, we're on Spotify, we're on uh, iTunes, we're on um, Overcast. I think tune in as well. Tune in. Mm. And we're also on Facebook. So everything is Wine Splaining DTSP, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I think that's it for now, right? Yeah. You can email us at yes. winesplainingdtsp at gmail.com and we're like we said, we're just getting started out. So we'd love to hear from you. Follow us, comment at us, 
Tell us what you're drinking. Tell us what to, and tell us what to drink. Mm. And we'll blind taste anything. And we're students. Like right. we, we do have a collective set of skills and even knowledge uh, varying from 13 years to, you know, just incredible motivation and dedication since January. Uh, but we're always learning. I, I think the reason why this is such a passion for us is because I could spend the rest of my life studying wine and still not try oh, all no. the things mm-hmm. and still not know all the That's things. <laughs> so really we would love it if, you know, people could listen to our blind tastings, especially if you're a student uh, or have been a student or are casually interested and just have really amazing specific knowledge, maybe to a certain region or wine, please tell us what we get right and what we get wrong <laughs> <laughs> so that we can fix our knowledge. Right. Uh, but yeah, we, we're just really interested in, becoming a part of the community and adding to it and, and really hope that you guys engage with us back. Absolutely. Now, like I mentioned before, once a chef, always a chef, once a Psalm, always a Psalm, but more so than that, you need to be continually uh, to learn every day. Cause if you don't, it's just, ah. so that's what we call in the restaurant business. Um, the good day to you, sir. So anything than that, guys, thank you so much. I understand I kept you for 51 minutes. I, I, I hope we had a good time. I mean, it sounded like we, oh, yeah. 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 the next time we are going to have a drink and we'll, you know, maybe Skype so we can see each other, but, um, I'll send, I'll make sure that everyone uh, has the links underneath in the description below guys, please leave a like and message them, uh, any questions whatsoever. And as you can tell already, they can literally just pair anything, uh, right off the cuff and I'm throwing them actual recipes in my restaurant. So I didn't, and we didn't know, like, let's just put that out there. <laughs> we had no idea what was coming at us. Yeah. And thank, thank God there's three of us. Cause one of us, <laughs> one of us had, had something to say. <laughs> It's a, it's a, it's kind of a deep end. But other than that, uh, Chef's Meal airs every Monday, uh, where where we talk. Uh, my my Sean, uh, my sous chef and I rather, uh, Sean, uh, live in a restaurant where we kind of talk about our week. And then Chef's Meal is on Thursday, where you can find uh, people like the wine explaining DTSP trio uh, of their goodness. Um, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Uh, but other than that, guys, thank you so, uh, thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk again most definitely. Thanks, Chief. Cheers, Casey. Cheers. Cheers. Ah, I appreciate you guys making a sound bite. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.